Yeah, one of the one of the cool things about church is, um, you know, out in the world, uh, being a mother means that you have given birth to a child. Uh, in the church, being a mother means that you are a woman who is committed to the family of God. And uh, whether or not you have kids of your own, um, whether or not you're waiting for kids, uh, you are um, a mom. And uh, I speak from experience. I mean, I, for those of you who know, I grew up in this church, um, starting in like 89 or 90. And um, every once in a while, I'll tell a story. Uh, when I went off to college, um, I came back and uh, I had long hair and an earring, which is taboo. And, uh, and sweet Althea Eaton, who um, no longer, uh, she, she's somewhere else, and they moved at some point, but uh, she had been my junior high teacher, and, and uh, she, she came up to me, and she grabbed me by the hand, and she said, Tom, I'm praying for you every day. <laughs> and I think she might have, she's from the South, so she might have had, like, bless your heart in there. Bless your heart. I'm praying for you every day. And then unspoken is because you obviously need it. And, uh, and, you know, I remember that. I remember being like, wow. Um, that's awesome. And so if you're, uh, if you're a woman here at this church, you're, uh, you're a mom too. Um, we've been uh, in a series called Reasonable Objections. Uh, really kind of started in Easter. And uh, the idea being that there's a lot of skeptics out there. And really, if you're a skeptic about religion, about faith, uh, this series is for you. Uh, the first, the first uh, message we did was on science and faith. Uh, there's a lot of people who, you know, the Nacho Libre thing, like, oh, I don't need faith. I believe in science. Um, well, you know, it turns out we do too, and, and you should check that out. If, if you're curious as to what Christians think about science and faith, uh, we, you can get all of our, our sermons uh, on our website. Um, we've had some trouble with our, our video stuff, but all the audio is there. Um, and I think the video for that one is there too. Last week we talked about sexuality. Um, and it's obviously a very, very hot topic uh, because of the culture. You know, a lot of people say, well, I can't be involved in faith because, you know, God um, doesn't, you know, love gay people or whatever. Well, if you want to actually hear what Christians actually think, do check that out. Check out that sermon because uh, what the culture says is mostly propaganda. Um, and, and, yeah, it's important to know how we actually think through these things in, in, in Scripture and whatnot. Today, um, we're... Uh, we're getting the number one all-time objection to Christianity. This is a fascinating one. Uh, it's, it's hypocrisy. Christianity can't be real because there are too many hypocritical people and leaders in the church. If Jesus is so life-changing, what's with the hypocrisy of his followers? Right? Uh, if you're a skeptic and you're here today, um, maybe one of the reasons you're a skeptic is because possibly you grew up in church in some way or another and you encountered somebody who was a real piece of work, right? Um, somebody who really grievously, you know, sinned. And, and, and you're like, wait, church is where the good people are supposed to be, right? <laughs> like, you know, I, or maybe, maybe you've never really been a church person, um, but you're, you see on the news, right? <laughs> You're like, every, you know, week, the New York Times does like another expose on, you know, um, pedophile priests in the Catholic Church or some, you know, evangelical leader guy who's like hooking up with prostitutes or something. And you're like, uh, <laughs> this is, this is, this is bonkers, right? Well, um, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that honestly. Let's, let's, um, let's see, it, you know, what, what faith really has to say about hypocrisy. And, and let's just think, let's just see if that's a legitimate you know, claim that you're making. 
Um, and this isn't like rhetorical. I, if you, if you, if if I'm speaking to you, like come, you know, push back, you know, after the sermon. I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, and uh, my other half of my life, I, I like students who are like wrong, and they want to go after me. So don't, you know, feel free to to push back. But let's let's uh, let, let's just start by seeing what the Bible has to say. We're a Bible church. We uh, we trust the Bible. Actually, that's next week. If you don't think the Bible is trustworthy. Um, Check us out next week because we're going to talk about the trustworthiness of the Bible. Anyway, this is, uh, this is what the Bible says. Um, this is Jesus talking, and uh, it's, it's a barn burner. How terrible it will be for you, legal es- experts and Pharisees. This is the uh, Common English Bible uh, translation. Um, it's just easier to understand. Uh, but if you want to see the Pew version, the New King James, that's, uh, that's available too. On page 523, you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of violent theft and pleasure-seeking. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside of the cup will be clean too. How terrible it will be for you, legal experts and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside, but inside they're full of dead bones and all kinds of filth. In the same way, you look righteous to people, but inside you're full of pretense and rebellion. How terrible it will be for you, legal experts and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs to the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. You say, if we'd lived in our ancestors' days, we wouldn't have joined them in killing the prophets. Yeah, right. You testify against yourselves you're the children of those who murdered the prophets. Happy Mother's Day. It's like, uh, you know... It's a, the, my, my dad was like, are you serious? You're going to preach on hypocrisy on Mother's Day? Hey! All right, here we go. Um, let's, let's just start at the beginning here. Uh, just, just notice this. How terrible it will be for you. Uh, older translations say, woe to you. Jesus is making a prophetic statement here. He's talking to people and he's saying, guess what? Bad things are coming your way. Horribleness is on the way for you. Now, maybe that'll be in this life. Maybe that'll be in next life. We're not exactly sure. Maybe it'll be in your hearts. Maybe it'll be in your physical circumstances. But bad things happen if you are a religious hypocrite. And notice, too, who he's talking to. The legal experts and Pharisees. They're hypocrites. Uh, Legal experts, scribes in the older translations. Scribes uh, were people who um, were literate. And their task was to make copies of the Old Testament law, the Torah, um, and also to help interpret it, to understand how different parts of the law work together. So they were basically religious lawyers. Pharisees were the most extremely conservative religious people in, in Judea, in, in Israel. They were, the, they were the evangelical Christians of Judaism. Uh, they were the ones, uh, in fact, you know, we, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know that Jesus is always fighting with the Pharisees. Interesting fact, if you were um, just like a normal a Jewish person who wasn't super into religion, you were just kind of, kind of nominally un-Jewish, you wouldn't really be able to tell the difference between Pharisees and Jesus followers for the most part. Because they actually believed a lot of the same things. They, they looked like kind of the same. Really, the major difference was Jesus' followers confessed that Jesus was the Messiah. Uh, he was the chosen one of God, and, and Pharisees didn't. But in a lot of other ways, they were very similar. And they were like, you know, they were the evangelicals of their day. These are religious insiders. Skeptics. One of the interesting things is, you know what, you're kind of right uh, about about how Jesus feels 
about religious people who are hypocrites. They're out there, and Jesus is really upset with them. In fact, you can search through the New Testament as much as you like. You will never find Jesus being meaner or more vicious or more condemning or more accusatory or just outright angry than with religious insiders. So skeptic, you come in here, you're like, I can't believe in Christianity because, uh, you know, all the, all the, the Christians are hypocrites. Dude, Jesus is with you. <laughs> no one gets angry, as first thing you know, she's over religious hypocrisy than Jesus. He, there's a lot of things that make Jesus mad, like, uh, and, and we'll actually talk, you know, briefly here about what exactly it is that's on Jesus' heart here. But there is nothing in the New Testament that makes Jesus more upset than when religious insiders turn out to be hypocrites. And so, skeptic, you're right. But one thing you may have gotten wrong is that it's not just you who see hypocrisy. It's Jesus, too. Love the language of this text. Jesus is on fire. It's a real barn burner, like I said. Check out this language. You clean the outside of the cup and plate. Talk about that in a second. Um, first, clean the inside of the cup, and then the, then the outside will be clean too. It's Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. They look beautiful on the outside. They're full of dead bones and all kinds of filth. This is, you know, we, we get this language intuitively, but it's actually worse in Jewish culture. Uh, Jesus is talking to Pharisees. Pharisees were known for being very, like, strict. They tried to figure out exactly what God says to do, and then they did it the best that they could. And one of the major issues, if you're familiar with the Old Testament law, what it's a, there's a lot of stuff about being ritually clean and pure before God. And there were some big things that could ruin that. Namely, different types of food and dead bodies. So if you were a, a strict Pharisee, um, you would be absolutely crazy about making sure that you never touched anything that had been touched by, uh, by impure foods like pork or something like that, or even foods that had like, been left out too long. The Jewish people were, especially the Pharisees, were religious about cleanliness. Okay? Uh, in fact, we, we have records of um, two different groups of uh, roughly contemporaneous um, groups, and they fought. And we, we have the records of their fighting in the Mishnah. They fought about whether you should uh, clean the outside of the cup first or the inside of the cup first. Uh, th- this was like, this was a big deal to them because uh, if you, that's one side said, you gotta clean the outside of the cup so you can touch it so you can clean the inside. The other side said, no, the real dirtiness is in the inside, so you gotta clean that first and then you can touch it and clean the outside. Th- this is like meant a ton to these people. And what does Jesus say? He's like, you spend all this time making sure that your dishes are clean, but you yourselves are dirty dishes. The inside part of you is filled with with all those things you're so scared of, you know, the pork and the pagans and anything that might sully you. The inside of you is just rife with that. Another major issue for religious people, uh, the evangelicals of the day, uh, was was touching dead bodies, corpses. Um, there was a lot that, that a corpse could do to you, could make you ritually unclean, very, very gross, and unworthy of, of worshiping God, things like that. And the Pharisees were super strict about this. 
They never touched bodies. They, didn't, they stayed as far away from tombs as they possibly could. And Jesus says, you're, not, you're just like a beautiful tomb. The inside of you is filled with the corpses that you wouldn't be caught dead, pardon the pun, touching. Everyone see Avengers Endgame? It's real important. There's Paul Rudd, Ant-Man. Um, I tried to find like a, a, a red carpet photo that wouldn't be like, you know, obscene uh, because the dresses those women wear, I mean, wow, look out. So I just got a picture of Paul Rudd. I like Paul Rudd. He's a cool guy, I think. I don't really know because I've never met him. But the characters he plays are fantastic. He makes me laugh. He makes me feel warm inside if I saw Paul Rudd, I would probably be too nervous to talk to him. Paul Rudd is a hypocrite. Uh, hypocrite, the Greek, um, hypocrites, uh, is the word for actor. Um, in ancient Greece, uh, the word for actor is hypocrites. And what it, in, in ancient Greece, what would happen is uh, you would have a play by Sophocles or whomever, and the actors, the hypocrites, would uh, come out and they would have masks on their faces. Uh, because they didn't, they didn't have like close-ups, you know, back in the day. So you had to have a mask that showed what your emotions were, right? Like an angry mask, sad mask, whatever. Um, but the idea behind what a hypocrite is, it's a person who wears a mask. Uh, you go around and, and, and it looks like you're this, but inside the real you is something different. Now it's very ironic that we as a culture glorify actors and actresses. The ancient world thought that was nuts. They thought that actors and actresses were the scum of the earth. They were totally untrustworthy. They were useless. They were stupid. Yeah, you can go on and on. Aristotle and Plato write all the stuff about how bad actors are, how bad hypocrites are. Because what you see is not what you get. They make a living out of fooling you, pretending to be something they're not. Paul Rudd is a super handsome dude. All those Avengers are good-looking. Even the Hulk is good-looking in Endgame. It's unreal. And yet, that's just a mask. So we should definitely take all of our political opinions from celebrities, because they probably know what they're talking about. <laughs> uh, the next thing in your note sheets. A clean exterior and a rotten interior is religious hypocrisy. Somebody who gets up and wears a mask day in and day out, but inside something is badly, badly wrong. That's what Jesus calls out with the Pharisees. He's like, you look awesome. Everyone looks at you and they're like, oh my gosh, that guy is so holy. He's so righteous because he follows all of these rules. But inside, something's badly wrong. What is wrong? Well, Jesus tells us. Let's take a look at uh, the text again. Pharisees, you're full of violent theft. And pleasure-seeking. The, the, the word violent theft, there's highway robbery. It's the Greek for highway robbery. Which is ironic, right? It, the last thing that a religious insider, you come to an, any evangelical, right? The last thing evangelicals, conservative religious people, are going to be accused of doing is like holding someone up and stealing their stuff. Right? It seems like that's way outside of how we act. We're actually, we seem like really nice people. But Jesus says, oh, I see underneath that, Pharisees. I see what you're really doing. Pharisees, um, they, uh, they didn't work for a living. They uh, talked. Uh, they gave sermons. 
They, uh, yeah, they, um, they, they counseled, you know, they, uh, they could tell you what the Bible said about things, right? Um, and, uh, and all the while, uh, they would just be, you know, supported by, um, poor peasants who looked at them and said, man, it's so good that there's somebody up there who's showing real commitment to God. I can't do it, you know, because I'm just a fisherman or whatever. And so, um, I have a, a real life to live. I can't, I can't actually follow all the Old Testament laws, but man, it's good to know there's a holy guy out there who's doing it. And so I'm going to give him my money to support his ministry. Mm. That could never happen. Pleasure-seeking, uh, really, that's kind of an over-translation in the Common English Bible. It's really more, um, you know, it's like a total lack of self-control is what, the, is what it is. And again, this is super ironic, total lack of self-control. What can you not accuse conservative religious people of? Being out of control. Conservative religious people are always the ones who, like, you know, they have nice jeans. I mean, it should be slacks, I know. Um, but they, they seem like, on the surface, that they're totally in control of everything. I mean, and to be a Pharisee was really hard. You had to fast like twice, three times a week. You had to like pray all times of the day. I mean, it was, a, it was hard work. How could somebody who's out of control successfully do that? Well, because what's really out of control is, is their motivations, their desires for all that stuff they're doing on the surface. All the fasting, all the praying, all that. It's, it's just, it's a show. So they can get what they really want. On the inside. Inside you're full of pretense. This is the word hypocrisy. Um, Hypocrites. Or crisis. I think it's the adjective version. Uh, Pretense. If I were going to translate, I'd say inauthenticity. Inauthenticity. Uh, Skeptics. Skeptics. I agree with you. It is the worst. When you feel like people are being fake. And, you know, I mean, I get it. You walk into a church, right? Everyone's like, hey, it's so good to see you. Welcome. What's up, brother? Everyone's like, I'm so happy, you know. And you're sort of like, yeah, that's probably not what it was like 45 minutes ago when they were trying to get their kids ready to go. <laughs> you know. Um, and, 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 uh, and, and it seems like we're happy all the time. We're always singing songs about being happy because Jesus was raised from the dead, which is a happy thing. Don't get me wrong. But you're like, but is everyone really happy? <laughs> like, is it, are, are these people for real? I don't think so. Well, the Pharisees, uh, the religious insiders of the day, the evangelicals of, of Israel, they, um, they put on this show of being super close to God because they knew what God wanted and they did it. But a lot of people around would look at them and be like, I don't think you're doing this because you really want to be close to God or whatever. I think you're doing this because it actually gets you a lot of stuff you want. Pharisees are walking around, you know, and you, and you follow their Instagram feed, and oh my gosh, they live perfect lives. They have great kids. Like, they're always on vacation. Like, I mean, wow. And their smiles, they're so white and perfect. Do you know how much Invisalign is? My dentist is trying to get me Invisalign. I'm like, yeah, I'll come back when I really make it as a pastor. You know, like, no chance. And yet, you see that, and the fair, it's like, wow. Is it really that perfect? 
Rebellion, uh, it's anomia. It's a very important word in the New Testament. Uh, anomia usually gets translated lawlessness. In first, in uh, the Johannian literature, also in Paul, this word lawlessness uh, tends to get um, used as to talk about people who in the end are going to be fundamentally opposed to the way of God. Like in utter and complete rebellion, just like Satan, just like the enemy, absolutely, completely oriented against everything God is for. Jesus is telling the most conservative religious people of his day, you guys are fundamentally opposed to everything that God wants. Well, I've tried to update um, this for, uh, for like the 21st century. Um, to, to give a sense of what Jesus is calling out, what it is that the Pharisees are doing that's driving Jesus crazy. The first, a lot of people ask me, Tom, how do you know you're going to be successful as a pastor and as you know a religious leader? Because I often say, to me, the number of people isn't what matters most. Usually in, in, um, usually in, in church circles, it's like all about growing and having more people and more people. People are like, well, Tom, what, what would you see as success? And the answer is simple. It is a G5. There it is. This is a G5. This is a private plane. Notice um, that there are G6s, G7s, but I'm telling you I would be satisfied with a G5. Once I'm flying from place to place on the G5 that this church owns, I'll know that I've made it and that we as a church are a success. Right? Well, that's, this is the thing, though. This is exactly what the Pharisees are looking at. The Pharisees were living like kind of upper middle class rich lives. On the backs of people who were like, gosh, it's so good to see that someone's finally holy. <laughs> uh, and, and it's not just for religious leaders. I mean, if, you, if you're a person of extraordinary means, right? It's extraordinary resources. And you're not extraordinarily generous. Well, people, skeptics hate that. Skeptics look at it and they're like, you, you're following this guy who like loves the poor, right? And, 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 and yet look at how you're living. Dude, that, that, right there, you're basically signaling to skeptics that, that this is a sham. This is nonsense. So I, you guys remember Jeff Foxworthy? I think he's still around. Jeff Foxworthy, um, you might be a redneck if. Well, you might be a hypocrite if. So here we go. If you preach about helping the poor from the steps of your G5, you might be a religious hypocrite. True fact. And it doesn't just have to be a G5. It can be a lot of different things. If you're living way above the means of the people around you and you're not being extraordinarily generous, skeptics are looking at you and saying, your religion is fake. What else is Jesus calling out? I have here. Yeah. One of the cool things about being a Pharisee uh, is that you get really popular in the ancient world. One of the, it, was a, it was a shortcut to being someone of high status, right? Because Pharisees were the ones who were truly holy. They were truly into God. And so the people of Israel looked at them and like, oh, man, you guys are rad. And the Pharisees would get up, you know, and they'd, they'd do their thing like da-da-da-da-da-da. And the people would be like, oh, you're amazing. You're incredible. And they would go around. they get followings. We actually know that the rabbis um, were sort of like the rock stars of their day. Uh, in Israel, they, they, would, they would get these you know, monster crowds to follow them. Whole bunches of people would be apprenticed to them. And, and, and at a certain point, a skeptic might look and might be kind of like, uh, are you really doing this because you're close to God? Or does it feel really awesome when everyone treats you like you are a God? 
I'll be honest. I mean, I, I hate it when after a, after a sermon, someone just you know, rips me a new one for something like that. No, what I want is I want after a sermon, I want people to be like, that was awesome. You know, I, I want to feel good, right? I'm getting up here, I'm working hard on these things. I want people to come and tell me that, that I'm great. It's not just religious leaders who um, gain status by being, um, you know, good Christians or whatever. Uh, you can see people in the community who, by um, upholding like a certain sort of lifestyle, you know, the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence and all that, by, by by kind of having this aura of being someone who's put well together, things happen for you. People respect you. People give you things. Uh, people look up to you. They they and it's, it feels great. Who wouldn't want that? And the skeptic comes along and is like, man, are you doing all that um, because you're trying to serve God? Or are you doing all that because it really opens up a lot of business opportunities for you? Are you doing all that because you're serving God? Or does it just so happen that acting that way gives you all of the things your heart really desires? This is, I think we, oh yeah. So, if... If you have more YouTubes than Jesus, you might be a hypocrite. If you have more likes on Instagram, more friends and followers on Facebook than Jesus, you might be a religious hypocrite. The last one, very interesting. Uh, this is Chris Stamp, manager of The Who. Uh, the Who were a you know, not a bad band as far as rock and roll legends go. Um, I like some of their stuff. Uh, but this guy, Chris Stamp, he was their manager, and he took advantage of being the manager of The Who to live what's like a legendarily debauched lifestyle. This guy was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll to the next level. Jesus literally says, Pharisees, what you're doing is you're doing all this Pharisee stuff in order to be totally out of control in your desires. Now, typically, religious people are not usually accused of being into sex, drugs, rock and roll, although that does happen occasionally, especially like, you know, the big headline things, the guys, you know, sexual abuser, whatever. That does happen. But for the most part, uh, religious insiders aren't being called out for being, like, you know, too out of control in their personal life. I mean, it does happen, but that's not like the, it's not the big, big deal. Instead, rather than being like Chris Stamp, the manager of The Who, and being stoked about being lit all the time, religious insiders are actually, um, they're usually called out for being fake in, in the way that um, what they really want is things like status, power, money, uh, things like that, but they use religion to get those things. And it's usually pretty insidious. It's not like, um, it's not like they're walking around making it really obvious, although that does happen too, and it drives me crazy. But for the most part, religious people... Um, you know, the, the, the type of pleasure-seeking that religious people are into is, is not the, uh, you know, going crazy all the time. It's rather like, here are all the good things that people want. I'm going to get those things, and I'm going to use religion to do it. And, and you remember, Jesus is the guy who, like, the one we're following, he's the one who got tortured to death, right? So, if our religion is such that we're just doing all the stuff that we like all the time, then we might wonder whether or not we're really following Jesus. If you haven't sacrificed anything you enjoy to live like Jesus, you might be a religious hypocrite. 
And trust me, there are skeptics who are looking at your life and they're like, well, why wouldn't you be a Christian? You get everything you want from Christianity. I know your real motives. Dude, show me, you know, another, another you know, missions trip to uh, Costa Rica where you're surfing, you know, for seven days, you know, and then like on the, on the tarmac, you like preach a message. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? That's sort of like, like, <laughs> yeah, being Christian is awesome for you. It gives you everything you want. Why wouldn't you? And you're like, and yet, the, the Jesus you're following is, is the one who said, take up your cross. Like I said, I love this text. I want to go back to the text, the, the end part. It's, this, this is the coolest. How terrible it will be for you, legal experts and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. Uh, in Jesus' day, the prophets were kind of like uh, revered. They, they were along dead um, for the most part, uh, and they had been martyred. The, their own people had usually killed them because they had said very uncomfortable things. And the Pharisees were like, we love those guys. They were the best. If we had been living in those days, we would have been the ones who like snuggled up to the prophets and stood with them and, and represented the truth. We're the good guys. We're the good ones. We know what God is like, and we would have recognized the prophets were really from him, and we would have aligned ourselves with them. And that's why we honor their tombs and decorate their graves, because they were awesome, and we are too. And Jesus says, by, just by saying that you would have been the ones who would have been supporting the prophets, you're testifying to the fact that you would have been the ones crucifying them. And it's not a coincidence that the religious elites are the ones who end up murdering Jesus. The thing is, we all, skeptics, you know, skeptics, Christians, we all want to believe that we're a good guy, that we're the good guys. We want to believe that we are sided with the rebellion and we're against the empire. We all want to believe um, that we would have been the ones who would have stood up with Dietrich Bonhoeffer and opposed the Nazis when they went after the Jews. Jesus says, if you deep down think you're one of the good guys, you're not. This is a very, very strange, uh, it's a very strange teaching, but it, it, it's one that really cuts to the core. When you get to the, the bottom of it, you really start to think about it. Jesus is saying the problem with the Pharisees is that they've got life figured out. They've figured everything out. They have all the answers. And they know that they're supposed to act humble, so they do. They act humble. They pretend like they're humble, but they're not. They know how everything's supposed to be. They know what life is supposed to be like. They're, they're, they've got it all put together. They're basically the Gwyneth Paltrow's of the ancient world. Where is she? I love making fun of Gwyneth Paltrow. I hate her so much. Oh, she's the worst. Oh. Gwyneth Paltrow has made um, a second. First, she was a bad actress. After being a bad actress, she became a bad lifestyle guru. And she has made a second fortune, if you can believe it, out of convincing people that she has figured life out. And if you follow her, then you too will have everything just right. It 
In Christianity, this is, uh, and, and the skeptics hate this. It's, uh, it's, when, it's when you're like, you know, you're, you're talking to your friends. like, oh, man, I'm so broken, you know. It's just like I've just got all these things, and I'm such a mess. But, man, Jesus, I'm just depending on him, you know. You know, man, like for sure, it's the only way. Like, gosh, I'm, I'm just such a sinner. I don't deserve his grace. But, gosh, he's so good. And the skeptic listens to that and is like, yeah, right. You think you're awesome. And you're pretending to be humble. You know what? If you're filled with pride and you've got life figured out, you know what? Honestly, I would rather that you just act like Gwyneth and be like, I've got it all figured out. Come give me your money. I've figured. I would prefer that to this, this nonsense where you pretend like you're this broken, weak person, whatever, and you're just humbly seeking the Lord, but really, you've got it all figured out on the inside, and you're awesome. Why don't you just say it? Because I'm starting to think that you're using this act to get stuff. Now, okay, the skeptic, you're like, what, what, do we have the skeptic thing? Yeah, if you print out to be a Christianity can't be real because there's too many hypocritical people and leaders in the church. If Jesus is so life-changing, what's with the hypocrisy of his followers? Great question. Uh, I think the first thing to notice is that, gosh, you know, let's just say that the problem is that Christians are, you know, hypocrites, and that's why you're not in church. Um, well, gee, the solution then to this problem would not be less Jesus, right? right? Think about what Jesus is doing. Jesus is like, dude, you're constantly in need of watching for your own hypocrisy. People are built to be hypocrites. And if you're not totally on guard all the time, you're going to end up like this. The, the solution to the Christian hypocrisy problem is not less Jesus, it's more Jesus. If you, if you want, you know, Christians who are hypocrites to get fixed, what you want is for them to listen to their leader more. Not go off and not be a Christian. Dude, if you think that the post-Christian United States of America that we see outside of the influence of Christianity is less hypocritical than what you see in the church, you are smoking something, and it is really amazing. Because it's nuts out there, dude. Like, the, the, the amount of hypocrisy and failure that goes on out in a, in a, in a non-Christian environment is a thousand times worse. So, point number one is, the solution, skeptic, is not less Jesus, it's more Jesus. I love this. Don't be a bigot. Get to know us. We talked last week about, uh, you know, because Christians get labeled as, uh, as intolerant bigots, hateful bigots, because of... Uh, um, the way that the culture thinks that we think about sexuality, even though they're totally wrong, that's what they call us. Well, here's my challenge to you, skeptic. What would you say if I was like, man, everyone from Ireland is a raging alcoholic. And so if I met an Irish person, be like, you're a raging alcoholic because you're from Ireland. You'd be like, whoa, 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 that sounds a lot like being a bigot. You'd be like, hey, slow down there, Turbo. You can't just paint with a broad brush. You can't say all Irish people are, 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 are raging drunks. Even if most of them are, you can't say. You've got, you got to get to know, right? You've got to get to know them, right? Well, dude, skeptic. <laughs> we're not all pedophile priests, okay? Like, we're really not. 
And, 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 and if you take these outrageous things that you see in the New York Times and on CNN and, and Fox News and, and you apply that and you say that's what Christianity is, doesn't that seem kind of bigoted to you? Like, here's an idea. Instead of telling me what Christians are like, get to know us. Come hang out with us. You're going to be like, these people are really nice. They really do seem to be trying really hard to, to live according to the way God wants them to live. They really do seem to want to be loving. They really do seem to have to work at forgiving each other, and that's really challenging, but they, they're trying. I, I agree with you. There are some egregious hypocrisies that go on there, but in general, like, that's not what's happening. And I'll agree with you that what is happening is a lot of these, you know, sort of petty hypocrisies. Right? These small hypocrisies. Some of the ones we've talked about. You know, you're doing this to look good, blah, blah, blah. I, I get it. And you're right. That, that's there too. But this is the second thing. You know, check yourself or you wreck yourself. I'm bad for your health. Become real stealth. Better stop. It gets foul. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Here's the deal. Yes, I agree with you that we, you know, don't always live up to our own standards. We sometimes harbor pride. We sometimes are greedy. We sometimes don't do everything that Jesus tells us to do. Dude, you know what? I mean, if that's what you're yelling at us about, like, dude, check yourself, skeptic. You think you live up to your own values or whatever all the time? <laughs> Wrong. You think that you're not sometimes a little bit hip hip hypocritical in the things that you do? <laughs> Wrong. Why are you holding us to a standard that you don't hold yourself? If you think it's because Christians preach that, you know, Christianity is going to make you perfect, you're nuts. I'm not saying that. If the best that I can say is, like, we're looking for some progress, you know, not perfection. I, I, Jesus, does, Jesus is the one who's perfect. We're, we're, like, we're, we're like, we trust him. That's all we can do because we know we're messed up. In fact, if you hang out with us for a while, you're going to start to recognize that one of our things that we say over and over and over again is, we need grace because we really are messed up. We have corrupt hearts. We are going to... Don't, don't hold us to some standard we don't even hold ourselves to. Don't hold us to a standard you don't hold yourself to. Last and uh, somewhat related. This may not be the case, but it may be the case. In my experience uh, with skeptics who use the, uh, the hypocrisy um, they, they flash the hypocrisy thing. I think normally what's going on, not always, but a lot of the time, a lot of the time, um, I think that, that there's a person there who kind of likes a world in which they get to be the boss of everything. You like the fact that you make the rules. You like the fact that, you know, you're in charge. And it might be the case that if you went to church, you might be confronted with a possibility that there's a God out there who has certain designs and certain ways that you want to be. And that might make you very uncomfortable. And so what you can do, though, is you can say, oh, they're hypocrites. That can't be real. I don't need to check that out. And so you can use hypocrisy as an excuse not to engage with the substance of faith. I don't have to touch it with a 10-foot pole because they're hypocrites. I'd like to think that I'm a good cook, but I'm not. I tend to over-season everything. I have a real big problem. It's like uh, last night I was making burgers, and uh, 
um, I, I put it, I just, I went crazy with the breadcrumbs. I just went, it, basically they came out tasting sort of like meatloaf. Because I went, I'm not, this is a true fact. Okay, now, does that mean, so, so let's say you have one of my burgers, you're like, that meatloaf burger was weird. I don't know why you're doing that. Uh, I'm like, well, I got the recipe off the internet. You could say, I don't need to look at that recipe. I know it's garbage. Or you could say, the recipe might actually be awesome. Tom just sucks at making burgers. I suggest to you that the recipe that I got was a five-star, like 236 ratings on one of the, was it the HG? No, the Food Network, one of their people. It was a great recipe. I was the problem. Likewise, I suggest to you that the life um, and truth and faith that's found here in Scripture is perfect. I believe it's really from God. God really did. It's not, this isn't the problem. God's not the problem. Jesus isn't the problem. Sometimes Tom is the problem. Don't use my failings, of which I have many, as an excuse to avoid engaging with the substance of who God is and what his word says. Instead, engage that first. Recognize what that says. And then if you want to walk away, hey, what can I say? But don't just shove it out the door because, you know, you think Jesus is okay, you just can't stand his followers. Because that's not fair to Jesus. And in the grand scheme of things, it might not be fair to you. So that's my uh, challenge to the skeptics. Because um, I, I really think, I, I think um, if, if you're honest and, and you see kind of how Jesus deals with hypocrisy, if hypocrisy is the reason you're not here, I think that you kind of have to come unless I miss something. And, and if I did, come talk to me, you know, engage me. I'm not, I'm not just talking here. Uh, this is real to me. Um, and I would like to hear that. But it might be that you're seeing that, yeah, really the problem with the solution of hypocrisy is more Jesus. Um, maybe I could be a, like, the world would be a better place if people were more engaged with him. Maybe I should be more engaged. If that's where you at, come back next week. Especially if another of your uh, objections to Christianity is that you think the Bible is silly, filled with fairy tales, and is ridiculous. Okay, that's awesome. We're going to talk about that next week. Come back. Check it out. If you're stressed out about sexuality, dude, listen to the, go to our website. Listen to what we had to say last week. If you're stressed out about science and faith, listen to the thing on the website. Don't let these objections uh, get in the way of you putting your toe in the pool and coming back week to week. Christians, religious insiders, evangelicals. They hate it when we're fake. I know that, you know, there's, it's impossible to be, you know, not hypocritical in any way, shape, or form. But in every aspect of our lives where, you know, there's pride or something like that that's, that's causing us a greed, desire, um, whatever it is, it's causing us to, um, to act hypocritically. If we can shave those things off, okay, what we're doing, not only does it you know, make us more like Jesus, but really what it does is it takes away an excuse for the world to ignore Jesus. One of the best ways that we can be evangelical, that we can show um, the world that Jesus is worth you know, 
listening to is, is to, to be brutally honest about our motivations for the things that we're doing for religion or whatever and, 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 and recognizing where those motivations are kind of awful and, and, and working to create real authenticity, real transparency. Because man, they hate it when we're fake. Let's pray. Gracious God, um, we confess, uh, as Christians, we confess that, we're, um, that we do battle hypocrisy and that, you know, the reputation uh, that we've earned in, is in some ways justified. We, we have, um, we've become like Pharisees in, so, in some ways. And God, we, um, we come before you, we confess that, and we ask uh, for your spirit to search out our hearts and show us um, where the hypocrisy is in our own lives. Um, so that we can uh, be authentic, so that we can be real, so that um, no one will be able to look at Coast Bible Church and say, um, they're just a bunch of, of, of fakers, posers, hypocrites. Instead, they'll, they'll look and they'll be like, you know what? They're messed up, um, but they're trying. God, I pray um, for any skeptic here, anyone who's um, just not sure uh, about faith, God, that um, you'll prick hearts and, and, and take away excuses and encourage uh, people to come and, and check it out and, and spend time with us and get to know us and see if um, we don't believe in science or see if we're hateful or see if um, we're hypocrites or see if our, our, our Bible is, is nonsense. I just pray that um, you'll encourage and, and prick those hearts and, and, and open them up. We love you, God. We bless you, Jesus. We ask for your spirit to give us strength to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen.